part four of two american slavery documents this librivox recording is in the public domain part four facts for the people of the free states by anonymous chapter one southern scenes in eighteen forty six murder of slaves the abbeville south carolina banner states that two of governor mcduffie's slaves were killed on friday february thirteenth by two other slaves acting in the capacity of drivers they were killed by what the law terms moderate correction a slave woman attempting suicide at baltimore in june eighteen forty six the Baltimore Sun gave an account of a woman who jumped out of the window of the place in which her owner had confined her, and immediately took the nearest route to throw herself into the water. She was rescued. But, says the Sun, upon being taken upon the deck of the vessel, she begged the bystanders to let her drown herself, stating that she would sooner be dead than go back again to be beaten as she had been a slave suicide effected at richmond virginia a correspondent of the philadelphia inquirer july twenty five eighteen forty six wrote from richmond as follows an unpleasant occurrence took place in this city yesterday a man who has a number of negroes in his employment was proceeding for a slight offence to punish one of them by whipping when the poor wretch knowing his master's unmerciful nature implored that he might be hung at once instead of whipped this of course would not answer and on tying the negro's hands behind him in the usual manner the employer went into another room to procure a cowhide when the negro taking advantage of his master's absence rushed from the room jumped into the river and was drowned slave suicide and slave hunting in louisiana in june eighteen forty six the new orleans commercial times said we learned that a few days since a negro man belonging to captain newport of east baton rouge while closely pursued by the dogs of mr rourke of this parish ascended a tree and hung himself mr rourke with captain newport's son-in-law and overseer were in pursuit of a runaway slave they did not know that this negro was out and were surprised upon their arrival a few minutes in the rear of the dogs to find him suspended by his neck with his feet dangling only a foot or two from the earth every effort was made to restore animation but without success although on their coming up the body was still warm the act was one it would seem of resolute predetermination as the slave was well provided with cords which he made use of to perpetrate his suicidal purpose more murders of slaves the palmyra missouri courier in august eighteen forty six says we understand that a gentleman living in macon county while out hunting with his rifle last week came suddenly upon two fugitive slaves who gave him battle he shot one and split the other's skull with the barrel of his gun he then started for home but before reaching it he met a man in the road who inquired if he had seen or heard of two runaway negroes describing them the gentleman replied that he had just killed two and related the circumstance on proceeding to the spot the stranger identified them as his slaves chapter two the fugitive slave a slave hunter killed 
the following is from the washington pennsylvania patriot of eighteen forty six we learn that a few days ago a fugitive slave from maryland was pursued and overtaken in somerset county in this state by a man named holland a wagoner from ohio who was tempted to the task by the reward offered a hundred and fifty dollars when they reached mccarty's tavern the slave attempted to escape but was caught by holland while in the act of climbing a fence the slave drew a long knife which he had concealed about his person and plunged it into holland's heart causing his death instantly he made good his escape immediately pursued by the people of the neighbourhood who at nightfall had surrounded him but in the darkness of the night he eluded their vigilance and is now beyond their reach the rights of the fugitive the hon j r giddings in a speech in the house of representatives at washington february eighteenth eighteen forty six said in regard to arresting slaves we of the free states owe no duties to the master on the contrary all our sympathies our feelings and our moral duties beyond what i have stated are with the slave we will neither arrest him for the master nor will we assist the master in making such arrest i am aware that the third clause of the second section of the first article of the constitution was once believed by some to impose upon the people of these free states the duty of arresting fugitive slaves but it is now judicially settled that no such obligation rests upon us indeed a proposition to impose upon us such a duty at the time of framing the constitution was rejected without a division by the convention we therefore leave the master to arrest the slave if he can and we leave the slave to defend himself against the master if he can we do not interfere between them the slave possesses as perfect a right to defend his person and his liberty against the master as any citizen of our state our laws protect him against every other person except the master or his agent but they leave him to protect himself against them if he while defending himself slays the master our laws do not interfere to punish him in any way further than they would any other person who should slay a man in actual self-defence the laws of the slave state cannot reach him nor is there any law of god or man that condemns him on the contrary our reason our judgment our humanity approves the act and we admire the courage and firmness with which he defends the inalienable rights with which the god of nature has endowed him we regard him as a hero worthy of imitation and we place his name in the same category with that of madison washington who on board the creole boldly maintained his god-given rights against those inhuman pirates who were carrying him and his fellow-servants to a worse than savage slave market another slave suicide the slave of a farmer in an adjoining county jefferson having been jumped upon and stamped by his master with spurs on so as to cruelly lacerate his face as well as his body he was found next morning in an adjacent pond or stream of water having tied a stone to his own neck as it is said and plunged in 
for the successful purpose of drowning himself under the feelings of desperation caused by the fiendish treatment of his master baltimore saturday visitor august eighteen forty six presidential testimonies george washington i never mean unless some particular circumstance should compel me to it to possess another slave by purchase it being among my first wishes to see some plan adopted by which slavery in this country may be abolished by law letter to john f mercer there is not a man living who wishes more sincerely than i do to see a plan adopted for the abolition of it slavery but there is only one proper and effectual mode by which it can be accomplished and that is by the legislative authority and this as far as my suffrage will go will not be wanting letter to robert morris john adams great is truth great is liberty great is humanity and they must and will prevail thomas jefferson the rightful power of all legislation is to declare and enforce only our natural rights and duties and take none of them from us no man has a natural right to commit aggressions on the equal rights of another and this is all from which the law ought to restrain him every man is under a natural duty of contributing to the necessities of society and this is all the law should enforce upon him when the laws have declared and enforced all this they have fulfilled their functions the idea is quite unfounded that on entering into society we give up any natural right the whole commerce between master and slave is a perpetual exercise of the most boisterous passions the most unremitting despotism on the one part and degrading submissions on the other and with what execration should the statesman be loaded who permitting one half the citizens thus to trample on the rights of the others transforms those into despots and these into enemies destroys the morals of the one part and the love of country of the other for if a slave can have a country in this world it must be any other in preference to that in which he is born to live and labour for another and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis a conviction on the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of god that they are not to be violated but with his wrath indeed i tremble for my country when i reflect that god is just and that his justice cannot sleep for ever when the measure of the slave's tears shall be full when their tears shall have involved heaven itself in darkness doubtless a god of justice will awaken to their distress and by diffusing light and liberality among their oppressors or at length by his exterminating thunder manifest his attention to things of the world and that they are not left to the guidance of blind fatality notes on virginia james madison it seemed now to be pretty well understood that the real difference of interests lay not between the large and small but between the northern and southern states the institution of slavery and its consequences formed the line of discrimination speech in the convention for the formation of the federal constitution james monroe we have found that this evil slavery 
has preyed upon the very vitals of the union and has been prejudicial to all the states in which it has existed speech in the virginia convention john q adams nay i may go further and insist that that the slave representation has ever been in fact the ruling power of this government the history of the union has afforded a continual proof that this representation of property which they enjoy has secured to the slaveholding states the control of the national policy and almost without exception the possession of the highest executive office of the union speech in congress february four eighteen thirty three fellow citizens the numbers of free men constituting your nation are much greater than those of the slaveholding states bond and free you have at least three-fifths of the whole population of the union your influence on the legislation and the administration of the government ought to be in proportion of three to two but how stands the fact by means of the double representation the minority command the whole and a knot of slaveholders give the law and prescribe the policy of the country speech at north bridgewater november sixth eighteen forty four james k polk on the twelfth of may eighteen forty one a resolution was introduced in congress to the effect that the president of the united states be requested to renew and to prosecute from time to time such negotiations with the several maritime powers of europe and america as he may deem expedient for the effectual abolition of the african slave trade and its ultimate denunciation as piracy under the law of nations by the consent of the civilized world the vote on this resolution was a hundred and eighteen ayes and thirty-two nays james k polk voting in the negative congressional debates volume seven page eight fifty mr polk since occupying the presidency has pardoned two individuals convicted in the courts of having been engaged in this trade chapter three burdens of slavery on the free the presidency of the fourteen presidential terms now expired since the formation of the government eleven have been filled by slaveholders one by a northern man with southern principles and only two by northern men the present incumbent is a slaveholder sworn fully to do his utmost to uphold and even extend the abomination and most terribly he is fulfilling his vow in the surrender of free territory in oregon and in a war of conquest for slavery in mexico at a cost of millions of dollars and thousands of lives by holding the presidency slavery controls the cabinet the diplomacy the army and the navy of the country the power that controls the presidency controls the nation no northern president has been allowed to serve more than one term the vice presidency the president exercises much of his power by and with the senate the vice president is ex officio president of the senate as such he has the casting vote in all questions before that body for the last twenty years with one exception he has been a slaveholder from the adoption of the constitution up to june eighteen forty two there were seventy-six elections in the senate of president pro tem 
of these the slave states had sixty and the free states sixteen most of the sixteen were in the earlier periods of the government mr southard was elected in eighteen forty two previous to that no northern man had received the appointment for thirty years so careful were the slaveholders to watch their interest by securing the casting vote senate for a long series of years the senate has been equally divided between the free and the slave states in this condition of it it was a great point with the slaveholders to secure the casting vote of the vice-presidency and right carefully have they done it this vote is of less importance now since by the admission of texas the balance of power is broken up and the valley of rascals on any tie vote now rules the senate and the nation department of state the office of secretary of state is the most important of any perhaps in the cabinet of the president as it is the duty of this officer to direct the correspondence with foreign courts instruct our foreign ministers negotiate treaties and so forth his station is second only in importance to that of the presidency itself of the fifteen who had filled this office up to eighteen forty five the slave states have had ten the free states five the whole number of officers in this department at washington in eighteen forty six is eighty six of these virginia has six and the district of columbia forty five the war department in eighteen forty six there are at washington ninety eight officers in this department of these the district of columbia has forty nine exactly one half and virginia and maryland have the balance the free states generally have furnished the seamen and the soldiers the men to do the fighting and endure the hard knocks but slavery has taken care to furnish southern men for officers thus of one thousand fifty four naval officers new england has only a hundred and seventy two of the sixty eight commanders new england has only eleven of the three hundred and twenty eight lieutenants new england has only fifty nine of the five hundred and sixty two midshipmen new england has only eighty two and new england owns nearly half the tonnage of the country of all the officers in the navy in eighteen forty four whether in service or waiting orders pennsylvania with a free population more than double that of virginia had but a hundred and seventy seven while virginia had two hundred and twenty four in eighteen forty two under mr upshur of a hundred and ninety one naval appointments the slave states had a hundred and seventeen the free states only seventy three post office the greatest opposition to cheap postage is from the south the reason is obvious as multitudes of their post routes do not pay for themselves they must be paid for through a system of high postage by the north or be given up thus in eighteen forty two the deficit in the post office department from the slave states was five hundred and seventy one thousand dollars while the excess over the expenditure in the free states was six hundred thousand dollars this went of course to make up the deficiency of the south so that in eighteen forty two alone the north paid all its own postage and five hundred and seventy one thousand dollars of postage for the south nor was this all 
the whole number of miles of mail transportation for eighteen forty two was thirty four million eight hundred and thirty five thousand nine hundred and ninety one at an expense of three million eighty seven thousand seven hundred and ninety six dollars of these miles the mail was carried twenty million three hundred and thirty one thousand four hundred and sixty one at the cost of one million five hundred and eight thousand four hundred and thirteen dollars in the free states and fourteen million five hundred and four five hundred and thirty miles at a cost of one million five hundred and seventy nine thousand three hundred and eighty three in the slave states that is it cost seventy thousand nine hundred and seventy dollars more to carry the mail in the slave states than in the free while it ran five million eight hundred and twenty six thousand nine hundred and thirty one miles less under the new system from official returns presenting a comparative view of the postage received at forty two offices north and south during the third quarter of eighteen forty four and eighteen forty five it appears that while the falling off at the offices in the free states has not been one-third that at the offices in the slave states has been more than one-half civil diplomatic and consular agencies that most of the spoils of office in these departments go to the slaveholders is well known the following is the diplomatic agency of eighteen forty six full ministers to great britain louis mclean france william r king spain romulus m saunders turkey dabney s carr mexico john slidell brazil henry a wise all from slave states and russia r i ingersoll from connecticut charges austria william a stiles holland august devizek belgium thomas a glenson the two sicilies william h polk sardinia robert wycliffe portugal abraham wrencher venezuela benjamin shields buenos aires george harris chile william crump all from the slave states and from the free states only denmark william w irwin sweden by h w ellsworth central american b w bidlack and peru a g jewett thus of the seven full ministers six are from the slave states and of the thirteen charges nine are from the same and the four given to northern men are among the most insignificant governments in the world and this favoritism of the south has been the policy for years the civil and consular agencies are dispensed with a like injustice to the free states the following prepared by professor cleveland gives the number of persons employed in eighteen forty five in these several agencies from a few states with their salaries and the number of free white inhabitants in the same presidential electors during the twenty years ending in eighteen thirty two there were six presidential elections of these the south cast six hundred and eight electoral votes but only forty one of them for northern candidates during the twenty years ending in eighteen thirty five there were five presidential elections in which the south cast five hundred and fifteen electoral votes only eleven of which were for northern candidates in the presidential election of eighteen forty four thirteen free states had a hundred and sixty one electors and gave one million eight hundred and ninety thousand eight hundred and eighty four votes one elector to eleven thousand seven hundred and thirty nine votes while twelve slave states 
had a hundred and five electors and gave seven hundred and ninety eight thousand eight hundred and forty eight votes one elector to six thousand six hundred and eight votes in other terms six slave state votes counted as much in choice of president and vice-president as eleven free state votes in the same election michigan had five electors and gave fifty six thousand two hundred and twenty two votes or one elector to eleven thousand two hundred and forty four votes while louisiana had six electors and gave twenty six thousand eight hundred and sixty five votes or one elector to four thousand four hundred and forty seven votes that is four slaveholding louisiana votes were equal to eleven free michigan votes federal representation the present number of the house of representatives including texas is two hundred and twenty eight of these twenty one represent slave property in fixing the ratio of representation after the last census the house adopted that of fifty thousand one hundred and seventy nine this would have given a house of three hundred and six members and the free states a majority of sixty eight but a small majority is more easily managed than a large the senate rejected that ratio and sent back the bill with the ratio of seventy thousand six hundred and eighty this reduced the house to two hundred and twenty three and brought down the majority of the free states to the more manageable number of forty seven the effect of the odd number six hundred and eighty was to deprive the four great states of the north massachusetts new york pennsylvania and ohio of one member each with no corresponding disadvantage to any slave state of this proceeding even the correspondent of the new york herald said the senate apportionment has robbed the north of at least one quarter of its practical influence in the union when regarded in its full extent and the members of the free states who voted for it have thus surrendered the rights of their constituents and violated their trusts the house of representatives the speaker of the house has the appointment of all committees and of course exerts an immense influence in this as well as other ways in the legislation of the country during thirty-one of the thirty-four years from eighteen eleven to eighteen forty five the speakers were all slaveholders judiciary the supreme court of the united states is the court of highest appeal in the nation its decision on all questions coming before it is final of the thirty judges of this court the slave states have had seventeen the free states thirteen the circuits and salaries are still more unequal and unjust vermont connecticut and new york with forty-two representatives in congress and a free population of over three millions constitute but one circuit while alabama and louisiana with but eleven representatives and a free population of but half a million constitute another so of other circuits louisiana with a free population of a hundred and eighty three thousand nine hundred and fifty nine has one judge at a salary of three thousand dollars ohio with a population of one million five hundred and nineteen thousand four hundred and sixty one more than eight times as great as that of louisiana has only one judge at a salary of one thousand dollars that is with eight times as many people to do business for he receives one-third as much pay 
arkansas with a free population of seventy seven thousand six hundred and thirty nine has one judge at a salary of two thousand dollars new hampshire with a population of two hundred and eighty four thousand five hundred and seventy three has but one judge at a salary of a thousand dollars mississippi with a free population of a hundred and eighty thousand four hundred and forty has one judge at a salary of two thousand five hundred indiana with a population of six hundred and eighty five thousand eight hundred and sixty three has but one judge at a salary of a thousand dollars that is two-fifths as much pay for doing more than three times the work surplus revenue the surplus revenue distributed by the act of eighteen thirty six amounted to thirty seven million four hundred and sixty eight thousand eight hundred and fifty nine dollars the slaveholders managed to have it distributed not as it should have been on the basis of free population but that of federal representation thereby the south with a free population of three million eight hundred and twenty three thousand two hundred and eighty nine received sixteen million fifty eight thousand eighty two dollars and eighty five cents while the north with a free population of seven million eight thousand four hundred and fifty one received but twenty one million four hundred and ten thousand seven hundred and seventy seven dollars and twelve cents so that for each inhabitant of the free north there was received but three dollars and six cents while for each free person in the south there was received four dollars and twenty cents or one dollar and fourteen cents more for each free person in the south than for each free person in the north the south by this operation alone received for her slave representation in congress four million three hundred and fifty eight thousand five hundred and forty nine dollars revolutionary war in this war new hampshire massachusetts rhode island connecticut new york new jersey and pennsylvania seven states furnished one hundred and seventy two thousand four hundred and thirty six troops and were paid for services sixty one million nine hundred and seventy one thousand hundred and sixty seven dollars delaware maryland virginia north carolina south carolina and georgia six states furnished fifty nine thousand three hundred and thirty five troops and received fifty two million four hundred and thirty eight thousand a hundred and thirty dollars in other terms the northern states furnished about three times the number of troops and received less than one-fifth more pay in particular states the inequality was far greater the war of eighteen twelve the slaveholders envied the commercial prosperity of the north and to crush it decreed the war of eighteen twelve under the pretense of defending free trade and sailors rights and one hundred and thirty seven millions of dollars were wasted in its prosecution and two hundred million more were lost on sea and land by northern merchants and farmers and then leaving free trade and sailors rights where they were before they made peace and demanded a national bank and protective tariff and in the prosecution of the war says alvin stewart esq addressed to abolitionists august eighteen forty six the south placed major general smith at buffalo a slaveholding lawyer of virginia major general winder a slaveholding lawyer of maryland at forty mile creek on the side of lake ontario major general wilkinson a louisiana slaveholder at the cedars and rapids of the st lawrence 
and major general wade hampton the great sugar boiler of louisiana and the largest slaveholder in the united states having over five thousand crushed human beings bowing to this monster and tyrant was located at burlington vermont four slaveholding generals with their four armies were stretched out on our northern frontier not to take canada but to prevent its being taken by the men of new england and new york in eighteen twelve thirteen and fourteen lest we should make some six or eight free states from canada if conquered this was treason against northern interests blood and honor this horrid revelation could have been proved by general john armstrong then secretary of war after he and mr madison quarrelled florida florida war removal of the indians while florida was in possession of spain it furnished an asylum for slaves escaping from the contiguous states it was therefore bought at the dictation of the slaveholders at an expense of five million dollars for the same purpose and at the same dictation the late florida war was waged and the native indian exiled of this the hon j r giddings eighteen forty five said they the army captured four hundred and sixty negroes who were adjudged slaves by staff officers of the army to whom the duty was assigned and who delivered them over to interminable bondage see house dock fifty two third session twenty seventh congress we have no means by which we can determine the number of lives sacrificed in that war but it may be safely asserted that the capture of each slave cost the lives of two white men and at least eighty thousand dollars in cash the most of which was drawn from the pockets of the people of the free states the whole expense of the war is estimated at forty million dollars the moral guilt incurred and the sacrifice of national character cannot be estimated perhaps i ought to add on the authority of general jessup that bloodhounds were also purchased to act as auxiliaries to our army and that bloodhounds and soldiers and officers marched together under the star-spangled banner in pursuit of the panting fugitives who had fled from southern oppression house stock one twenty five third session twenty fifth congress and bloodhounds and soldiers and officers were paid for from the avails of northern industry while our people were not permitted to petition their servants to be relieved from such degradation one r fitzpatrick was employed to get the bloodhounds he obtained thirty-three and the cost including expenses of bringing to florida was five thousand dollars the removal of the indians from the several slave states was merely to make room for slavery and it has cost at least fifty million dollars and of all these millions the north has had to pay the largest share texas and the mexican war everybody knows that texas was annexed and that the war is waged to extend and strengthen slavery the cost of these measures is yet to be ascertained there is little doubt that it will exceed rather than fall short of one hundred millions bank tariff southern bankruptcy etc the south originated the bank and the tariff when they ceased to work for its interests the south abolished both the sums filched from the north by these changes of national polity and by southern bankrupts seem almost incredible twenty seven million dollars of the capital of the united states bank was sunk at the south 
five hundred million dollars it is estimated would not more than meet the losses of the north in sixty years from southern bankruptcy in fine there is no end to these burdens this sidewise plunder of the free by those whose entire life is a wholesale plunder of the slave how long will freemen bear it we have a weapon firmer set and better than the bayonet a weapon that comes down as still as snowflakes fall upon the sod but executes a free man's will as lightning does the will of god and from its force nor doors nor locks can shield you tis the ballot-box chapter four slaveholding religion maintaining theological seminaries the following is the conclusion of an advertisement in the savannah republican of march twenty three eighteen forty five also at the same time and place the following negro slaves to wit charles peggy antoinette davy september maria jenny and isaac levied as the property of henry t hall to satisfy a mortgage five fee issued out of the supreme court in favor of the board of directors of the theological seminary of the synod of south carolina and georgia versus said henry t hall conditions cash c o'neill sheriff m c buying church furniture a runaway slave in eighteen forty one assigned the following as his reason for not communing with the church to which he belonged at the south the church said he had silver furniture for the administration of the lord's supper to procure which they sold my brother and i could not bear the feelings it produced to go forward and receive the sacrament from the vessels which were the purchase of my brother's blood supporting churches by slave jobbing the rev j cable of indiana may twenty eighteen forty six in a letter to the mercer luminary says i have lived eight years in a slave state virginia received my theological education at the union theological seminary near hampton sydney college those who know anything about slavery know the worst kind is jobbing slavery that is the hiring out of slaves from year to year while the master is not present to protect them it is the interest of the one who hires them to get the worth of his money of them and the loss is the master's if they die what shocked me more than anything else was the church engaged in this jobbing of slaves the college church which i attended and which was attended by all the students of hampton sydney college and union theological seminary held slaves enough to pay their pastor mr stanton one thousand dollars a year of which the church members did not pay a cent so i understand it the slaves who had been left to the church by some pious mother in israel had increased so as to be a large and still increasing fund those who hired out on christmas day of each year the day in which they celebrate the birth of our blessed saviour to the highest bidder these worked hard the whole year to pay the pastor his one thousand dollars a year and it was left to the caprice of their employers whether they ever heard one sermon for which they toiled hard the whole year to procure 
this was the church in which the professors of the seminary and the college often officiated since the abolitionists have made so much noise about the connection of the church with slavery the rev elisha ballanter informed me the church had sold this property and put the money in other stock there were four churches near the college church that were in the same situation with this and when i was in that country that supported the pastor a whole or in part in the same way viz cumberland church john kirkpatrick pastor briny church william plummer pastor since dr p of richmond buffalo church mr cochran pastor pisgah church near the peaks of otter j mitchell pastor selling ministers as slaves at the great convention at cincinnati in june eighteen forty five mr needham of louisville kentucky said sir in eighteen forty four a methodist preacher with regular license and certificate was placed in the louisville jail as a slave on sale he preached in the jail sermons which would have done credit to any white preacher of the town he kept a little memorandum in his pocket in which he marked the number of persons hopefully converted under his preaching i represented his case to leading methodists in louisville and showed them a copy of his papers which i had taken not one of them visited him in his prison he said he forgave those who had imprisoned him and were about to sell him he was sold down the river which was the last time i saw him a slaveholding d d a whipping his bich on sabbath morning preparatory to preaching march twenty eighth eighteen forty three in a public address at cincinnati the rev edward smith true wesleyan of pittsburgh stated that he had lived in slave states thirty-two years and speaking of a certain d d of his acquaintance he adds he was a slaveholder and a severe one too and often with his own hands he applied the cowhide to the naked backs of his slaves on one occasion a woman that served in the house committed on sabbath morning an offence of too great magnitude to go unpunished until monday morning the doctor took his woman into the cellar and as is usual in such cases stripped her from her waist up and then applied the lash the woman writhed and winced under each stroke and cried o lord o lord o lord the doctor stopped and his hands fell to his side as though struck with palsy gazed on the woman with astonishment and thus addressed her the congregation must pardon me for repeating his words hush you but will you take the name of the lord in vain on the sabbath day when he had stopped the woman from the gross profanity of crying to god on the sabbath day he finished whipping her and then went and essayed to preach that gospel to his congregation which proclaims liberty to the captive and the opening of the prison doors to them who are bound the greatest impediment we are about to make an announcement says the true american which must sound very strange to those whose field of observation is unlike our own the greatest impediment to the success of the anti-slavery movement in the slave states is the opposition to it of those men who profess to have been commissioned by high heaven to go abroad and use their efforts for the mitigation of human misery and the extirpation of human wrong 
this assertion which appears so monstrous will not surprise any one who lives among slaveholders our conviction of its truth has been confirmed by extensive observation religious testimonies archbishop potter some of our wise ones will have it that doulos means slave archbishop potter than whom no man was more learned in grecian antiquities in his work on them published years ago says chapter ten slaves as long as they were under the government of a master were called oketi but after their freedom was granted them they were douloi not being like the former a part of their master's estate but only obliged to some grateful acknowledgment and small services such as were required of the metokoi to whom they were in some things inferior the younger edwards a pastor of a church in new haven and afterwards president of union college every man who cannot show that his negro hath by his voluntary conduct forfeited his liberty is obligated immediately to manumit him and to hold such as one in a state of slavery is to be every day guilty of robbing him of his liberty or of man-stealing and fifty years from this time seventeen ninety one it will be as shameful for a man to hold a negro slave as to be guilty of common robbery or theft dr adam clark among christians slavery is an enormity and a crime for which perdition has scarcely an adequate state of punishment rev albert barnes from the whole train of reasoning which i have pursued i trust it will not be considered as improper to regard it as a position clearly demonstrated that the fair influence of the christian religion would everywhere abolish slavery let its principles be acted out let its maxims prevail and rule in the hearts of all men and the system in the language of the princeton repertory would speedily come to an end in what way this is to be brought about and in what manner the influence of the church may be made to bear upon it are points on which there may be differences of opinion but there is one method which is obvious and which if everywhere practised would certainly lead to this result it is for the christian church to cease all connection with slavery rev s h cox d d the cause of human rights is only the converse of the cause of human duties and how pious or how orthodox or how heroic i should like to know is he for whose higher evangelical refinement of sensibility this subject of righteousness is too delicate to be theologized into our ethics our creed or our prayers away with such nauseating and hypocritical affectation in high places and low ones too letter to s j may auburn may fifth eighteen thirty five end of part four end of facts for the people of the free states by anonymous end of two american slavery documents by various